beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, reading through Zechariah chapter 14, it is a lot to take in. But at the end of the day, it tells us that there are two things that we can know for sure about the day of the Lord. It will be a day of great joy, great peace, and great security for those who belong to the Lord, those who find themselves united to Jesus Christ. But it will be a day of plague, panic, and terror for the enemies of God. And beloved, the only way that this happens is by the work of the Lord who draws weary sinners to himself. Weary sinners from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation through repentance and faith. And beloved, when this day of the Lord comes, God's cleansing of the earth, his cleansing of the cosmos, of all things, will be so thorough, so complete, that the stain of sin will be wiped out of every single nook and cranny of the universe. Everything in that day will be holy, perfect, clean. The dwelling place of God in that day will be with man, with those whom he chose before the foundations of the world to give to his son. All in that day will be as it should be. So perhaps when we read a text like this about holiness, everything holy to the Lord, maybe you think to yourself, is that really a good thing? Do I really desire such a thing? Everything holy? Congregation, think of Isaiah's vision of God's throne room in Isaiah chapter 6. If you would, turn there with me to Isaiah chapter 6. We read this in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. When the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, your sin atoned for. In that moment, being in God's holy throne room, the holiness of God caused great terror for the prophet Isaiah. Because he knew two things. He knew both the depth of his own sin and the depth of the sin of the people whom he represented. Beloved, sin is not a laughing matter. Sin is no small thing. Our God can't just wink and nod at our sin, especially the ones that we think are little ones. Oh, 
Isaiah acknowledges that holiness is a good thing. He sees the angels singing, holy, 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 calling this out. But he recognizes that he has none. On his own, he has no holiness. On his own, he has no right to be in the presence of the holy, holy, holy God. He needed something outside of himself to come to cleanse him. A sacrifice on the altar of heaven. And this is exactly what happens. Our God here in our text in Zechariah promises, beloved, that not only will our own sin be dealt with, but sin itself fully dealt with. The effects of the curse utterly undone in every single way that the curse has come to us. Today, through faith in Christ, we have been redeemed fully from our sins. They've been washed, cleansed, atoned for. But we still live in a very sin-sick world, don't we? We see the effects of sin all around us. We still see the effects of sin in our own hearts, in our own actions, our own thoughts, our own lives. But indeed, one day that will all be done away with. Everything will be holy. The whole earth will be God's dwelling place. The whole earth will be God's temple. That too is good news for us. So let me ask you this this morning. Do you desire God's holiness to inhabit everything? Everything in your heart? Everything in your family? Your life? This very world? Is this a, a yawn passage for you? A skip over passage for you? Or is it good news? Everything holy. You see, salvation in our Lord Jesus Christ is much more than fire insurance. Salvation in Christ is, is more than a get out of jail free card, beloved. Salvation in Christ through the good news of the gospel, we've been made new. We're no longer who we used to be. This world is no longer on a track to utter destruction. Sin itself will be, but this world will be renewed in every single way possible. Because we're those who have been united to Christ, cleansed by him, made new by him, we desire to see his reign and rule increase in this world. We desire to see his reign and rule increase in our own hearts, to be made more and more and more like him. Cleansed by Christ's blood, covered in his righteousness, given new hearts and desire to follow him, we want God's holiness to overwhelm this world. And congregation, we're promised it will. Our theme this morning as we consider this text will be this. Our God promises that there will come a day when all things are undefiled by sin. Our God promises that there will be a day when all things will be undefiled by sin. We'll consider this under two points. First, all the world as God's temple. And second, all things purified. All the world as God's temple and all things purified. And so as we begin, children, I have a question for you today. Can you remember back to the wilderness wanderings of God's people after they left Egypt and wandered in the wilderness? The Lord called them to build something special. What did God call his people to build? 
began with the tabernacle. The place where God, that represented God's presence in the midst of his people. He lived at the center. They lived around him. But how did life work in the temple? Could anybody go into the temple? Could anybody go into the Holy of Holies? No, that place was reserved for the priest, the high priest alone. Sinful people could come to God's temple, but there had to be a sacrifice, and they could only go so far in. Well, eventually the tabernacle was replaced with Solomon's temple. And even there, still, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. But do you further remember what happened when Jesus came to the world? When he died on the cross, what happened in the temple, little ones? The curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of God's temple was torn top to bottom. No longer was God's presence with his people limited to only the high priest himself, but God removed the barrier for the work of Christ's blood. God did it. God accepted Christ's sacrifice once for all. That need for the physical temple and the work of the priest and all other sacrifices was ended. Our high priest laid down his life once and for all. So why is that good news? Because at that moment, God began to dwell with his people in a different way. Not through closed curtains, not through the mediation of sinful high priests who needed their own sins continually atoned for. But through the blood of our great and sinless high priest, Jesus, the Son of God. And then he poured his spirit upon his people. Think of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. There Paul tells us this, Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, the apostle says, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. And that was a glorious down payment of what is to come. A day when everything is holy unto the Lord, all the way down to the jingling bells on the horses. Look at verse 20 once again of our text with me in Zechariah 14. The first half of our text. And on that day there shall be inscribed in the bells of the horses, holy to the Lord. And the pots in the house of the Lord shall be as the bulls before the altar. It probably strikes us as odd, doesn't it? The bells of the horses, holy to the Lord. What is going on here? But again, we must know the rest of Scripture for these things to make sense. So if you would, flip back to Exodus chapter 28 with me. And we referenced earlier the building of the tabernacle and all God's ceremonial laws. And we have in Exodus 28 an explanation of how Aaron the high priest was to dress. Exodus 28, beginning at verse 36. You shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it, like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord. And you shall fasten it on the turban by a cord of blue. It shall be on the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead. And Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall regularly be on his forehead. 
that they may be accepted before the Lord. So in these early days, only Aaron the high priest could bear this, this engraving holy to the Lord on behalf of the people. The high priest alone. But in the day of the Lord, those who are united to the high priest, Jesus Christ, will share that label. We do already in Christ. Even down to the most common things, down to the, the bell on the collar of the horses. Children, this is like thinking about the dog tag that your, your animals wear, your dog or your cat, that little jingling tag that they wear. In the day of the Lord, everything will be so pure, so glorious, so beautiful, that even the, the bells and the, and, and the tags that the animals wear, holy to the Lord. At Christmas time, we sing the song, Joy to the World. We sing those beautiful words of our Lord's first coming. He, he comes to make his blessings known, far as the curse is found. With his life, his death, and his resurrection, that work began of letting his blessings go to the corners of the world, every nook and cranny. And when Jesus comes again, that work will be completed. It will be full and complete. Not a single effect of the curse remaining. Not a single stain of sin. Nothing to contaminate our thoughts. Nothing to contaminate our words. Nothing to contaminate or pollute our actions. The pollution of sin done away with forever. What a day that will be. There's worship language in this text. The Jews in this text were being promised that they wouldn't have to go to the Temple Mount anymore to worship the Lord, to meet with God. They won't have to offer a lamb at the altar anymore. They won't have to go to the mediation of the temple priests anymore because God will be with his people, our eternal high priest's work finished. And so therefore, all the earth will be his inner court. All of earth all of the cosmos and that day will be the holy of holies. Think of what that means. For so many centuries, people could not even come fully to the presence of the Lord without the mediation of a high priest. Christ has come. He's made that way to the Lord for us that we come now through him. We can come directly to the Father through the work of the Son. But in that day when Christ comes again, we will be living face to face with God himself for all of eternity. What a blessing that will be. What a joy that will be. All the earth, God's inner court, all things marked holy to the Lord because heaven and earth will be God's untarnished temple. Whatever we do, wherever we go, it will be before the face of God in perfect unhindered fellowship with him. And we thought that Adam and Eve had it good in the Garden of Eden. Oh, beloved, this will be better. New Eden will fill the entire cosmos. So much holiness, so much purity, everything so corrected and made new that even the ordinary pots and pans will be as special holy basins in the worship of the Lord. 
Look at that first half of verse 21. Every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts, so that all whose sacrifice may come and take of them and boil the meat of the sacrifice in them. Beloved, in that day, the day of the Lord, everything that we will do is as if we have come before the Lord with a thank offering. No need to wait in the outer courts. No need to be relegated as Gentiles to the outside of the temple. No need to wait for a priest to come and to bring us in because our priest has already done that. Our high priest has come and given you and me direct access to God. And that brings us then to our second point this morning. All things pure. All things holy. But again, knowing our own struggle with sin, our own struggle with the corruption that dwells in our own hearts, we, we still know it. We still fight against it every single day. Maybe this talk of holiness still makes us a bit uncomfortable. Maybe the talk of holiness makes us squirm a little bit in our seats. Everything holy? Is that really a good thing, Pastor? But maybe that's because we misunderstand the holiness that the Lord brings. A couple months ago, I reread the book by Kevin DeYoung, The Whole in Our Holiness. It's an excellent book. I would encourage each one of you to pick up a copy and to read it. And he says something very helpful, I think, when, when it comes to our understanding of holiness. So I'd like to read just a short excerpt from it. Goes to consider the beauty of holiness, the far-reachingness of God's holiness, especially as it affects our hearts and our lives. DeYoung says this, quote, because God's new world is free from every stain or hint of sin, it's hard to imagine how we could enjoy heaven without holiness. As J.C. Ryle reminds us, heaven is a holy place. The Lord of heaven is a holy God. The angels are holy creatures. The inhabitants are holy saints. Holiness is written on everything in heaven. And nothing unholy can enter into this heaven. Even if you could enter into heaven without holiness, DeYoung says, what would you do? What joy would you feel there? What holy man or woman of God would you sit down for fellowship with? Their pleasures are not your pleasures. Their character is not your character. What they love, you do not love. If you dislike a holy God now, why would you want to be with him forever? If your worship does not capture your attention at present, what makes you think it will thrill you in some heavenly future? If ungodliness is your delight on earth, what will please you in heaven? Where all is clean and pure. You would not be happy there if you are not holy there. Or Spurgeon put it, he says, sooner could a fish live upon a tree than the wicked in paradise. End quote. Beloved, that hope, that glory, that holiness is already broken into the present day. Its fullness is still, far, is still off till the return of Christ 
But this is good news for us now. Paul says in Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Pursuing holiness, loving holiness is not a works righteousness thing. It's a joyful thing, a beautiful thing, the fulfillment of all that we are now in Christ. It affects everything we do right now, not just off in the future. Husbands, we we want to please our, our wives, to live for them, to encourage them in the Lord, to build them up, to do what's best for them and their families. Wives, we do the same thing for our husbands. Children, we seek to honor God because we're God's holy children. To please our parents, to do well in school, because that's who we are. Those who are new in Christ. Holiness is not for the goody two-shoes, beloved, but for those who love their Savior. Those who love their God. They love what is good and right. They hate what is evil. Our text concludes with these words. And there shall no longer be a traitor in the house of the Lord on that day. And again, children, that should bring, ring bells in our ears. There shall be no traitor in the house of the Lord on that day. Where else have we heard in Scripture this type of language? Where have we run into something similar? Well, think of Jesus' last week on earth before his crucifixion and turn with me to Mark chapter 11. We read in Mark chapter 11, verse 15, this. Jesus and his disciples, well, they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking to find a way to destroy him. For they feared him, because the crowd was astonished at his teaching. When evening came, they went out of the city. Zechariah tells us that once God's appointed conquering king comes, trade and robbery, sin, unholiness will no longer stain the temple of God. Jesus came, one, to clean the temple, to kick out the robbers, to kick out those who have made it a, a den of trade. But Jesus also came to blow the doors of the temple wide open. He did this so that the nations could come to him. Herod's temple, the one standing in the days of Jesus, had a Gentile court on the far outside where the Gentiles could gather. They could go to the temple, but they could not enter. Jews could enter further, Families could enter into the temple of Herod. But there was what was called the court of the women. Women and children had to stay there. Husbands, men could go farther in. 
but not the women and the children. And so the men, they would enter further into the temple. But then they had to stop. They could only go so far. Beloved, what Jesus has done has come to blow the doors of the temple off. Today we gather to worship and fellowship no matter what our backgrounds are. No matter what our pasts are. Men, women, children of every tribe, tongue, and nation entering into the throne room of God because of what Christ has done. Through repentance and faith in Him, Christ is our sacrifice. Christ is our high priest. Christ is making all things new. Christ will come again. And with Him, He will bring the new heavens and the new earth. But even as we await that glorious day, we remember that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. That He dwells within you and within me. We are His temple as we await the second coming. Where not only will the temple doors be blown off, but beloved, but the entire earth will be His temple. Everything pure. And that day we'll be able to sing the words of Psalm 29, verse 2. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. And so let me conclude by asking you this. Let us each one meditate upon this question today. Is that what you, is that what I long for? Is that how you and I have already begun to live? Do we long for a day when there shall be inscribed in the bells of the horses, holy to the Lord? A day when the pots in the house of the Lord shall be as bowls before the altar. Every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts. Indeed, beloved, the Lord, your Savior, will grant you the desires of your heart. A day when there shall be inscribed on even the bells of the horses, holy to the Lord. Amen.